there, folks. My name is Emily. And I'm Elle. And we are Oh My Word, a podcast where we discuss movies, musicals, books, TV shows, etc., and share the content so that you can be a more informed consumer. Exactly. And then we take all that stuff and we put it through our very rigorous, very, very rigorous pearl clutching scales, which we've actually had to rebuild several times already because everything just exploded with certain content. But we do have them in working order again to give scale for violence, language, or romance, scale of zero to four, zero being no pearls clutch, four being all the pearls clutch, and any higher than four and everything just explodes. That's what we do. So uh, speaking of messes, we had to deal with something pretty gross today. Uh, We had maggots in our bunker, which frankly, I thought the purpose of being in a bunker was to avoid the outside world, specifically anything bug or insect related. And apparently that's not the case, unless there's something we want, like the roly-polies that I taught to tap dance. Obviously, that's something we want, but roly-polies are adorable and fall within the realm of acceptable bugs. But they're one of like five acceptable bugs and everything else is outside of that. So this was pretty gross. We should clarify that when Emily says we want, she's talking about herself because I would have no bugs and even... The little indoor atrium that we have, little greenhouse. Oh, yes. Okay, it's supposed to be bug free, but apparently bugs also live underground. And anyways, maggots are yucky. But don't worry, yes. we clean them. We clean them very thoroughly with bleach, so they are clean now and should not be carrying any disease. Lots of bleach. So much bleach. It kind of smells. So much bleach. I'm actually feeling really good though right now, aren't you? Everything just seems fine. Yeah. Way, way too much bleach. Um, That has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Well, no, there's no connection. There's absolutely no connection to what we're talking about today. I'm not even going to try for a segue here. We're just going to dive in. We're talking about a book today, which is officially middle grade, and it's called The Girl Who Drank the Moon by Kelly Barnell. It came out actually in 2016. What did it win? Like the Newbery Award, right? It won the Newbery Medal. It won a big award. Yes, it won the Newbery Medal. Quickly, our scales, violence, two, language, zero, romance, kind of a 0.5. Very, very light, and even the violence is not specifically explicit. It's more of what's going on that would, uh... Yeah, it's more scary than violent, really. Yeah, it's just bad. It's not good stuff, even, again, it's not explicit, and it's kind of in context, but we're just putting it there. Actually, the description will kind of tell us why the violence is, part of why the violence is so high, that you have this, this place that's called a protectorate, and every year they leave a baby as a sacrifice to this witch that lives in the forest. And it's like, oh, we don't go into the forest because it's a dark, scary place. Now, what they don't realize is that the witch is actually kind... And they kind of, we see this right away where the witch is like, I have no idea why these babies keep appearing here. And so the, <laughs> the witch brings the babies to, the, the family's called like the star child is coming. So she brings it to these free cities where they're like, yeah, every year we get a star child. We get this magical baby comes and the witch makes sure that it's with a good family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Part of sustaining, you know, she's got a baby that she's traveling with. So she feeds it starlight. And it's also this whole thing they get. Like, these babies are a little bit shimmery, and they have good luck their whole lives. And she gets mm-hmm. one baby. Well, she calls her Luna, right? This is the one that the story is going to center on. And she accidentally feeds her Moonlight. And Moonlight has super-duper magic powers. And then the witch decides, okay... Well, the witch's name is... What's her name? Like, Zan. Zan. Zan with an X. So Zan decides, okay, we can't bring... This baby is too special. We can't bring her to the free cities. We're going to raise her. I'm going to raise her in the forest. I'm going to be the grandma. Right? I'm going to raise her in the forest. And it's all about... Then the magic starts coming out. You got to control the magic and da-da-da. That's the basic storyline. I'll just say the one thing that was interesting was that it's like a very maturely written middle grade. Mm. Not in the sense of... We've spoken before about that authors don't write down to audiences. So it's not like that. There's something very lyrical... To the writing is something very pleasant just in the technique of the writing so 
part of you is like, am I reading middle grade? But the story itself is very middle grade. And the way the story plays out is much more middle grade. And the way certain things are explained, that in a YA, you'd have to kind of infer those sort of things. So it is very much a middle grade story, but there's a maturity to the writing. It's just interesting the way that it was told like that, because there was that moment of like, wait, this is middle grade, right? And then, oh yeah, it is. No, yeah, it's definitely a middle grade. That's a really good observation. Maybe that's why it was so enjoyable, even as an adult, to read it. Yeah. Or one of the reasons. Yeah, good point. Well, the other thing is there were certain things that the way they were written, I wonder if middle grade gets this. I almost could see this more of a book. Mm. Definitely a middle grader could read it by themselves, but I saw it more as a book that a parent's reading with a child, sort of like the way cartoons sometimes have the jokes of adults. But I almost saw certain parts of it being like, does a parent need to be there to explain what the language usage is right now? I don't know, but it's part of it felt like that just because going to this kind of like maturity of the writing sort of thing. So Right. Well, it's very interesting that you point that out. Should we go over the ratings? Why we gave them oh, yes. the numbers that we did? Yes. Okay, language is none, which is wonderful. Romance is a 0.5 because it's just barely. There's a boy that sort of followed who's kind of like a, a subplot a little bit. He falls in love, he marries, has a baby, whatever, but very... Very much not explicit. And then for violence, you have... It is. It's true that it's more scary because the mom whose baby they take... Because that's the whole thing is like, oh, if we have to take your baby for the witch, it's for the good of the protectorate. Right. Everyone is supposed to be joyous that we're saving the protectorate. And Luna's mom doesn't want to give her up, obviously, because she's a normal mom. So they're <laughs> like, oh, no, she's gone crazy. She's violent. She's a crazy woman. We have to lock her up. It's not specific. There's not like a fight that goes on, but it's kind of they're putting her in an insane asylum, like in a tower. Right. And you also have the babies that are left. They think that the babies are being left to die. Oh, you just leave the baby here and we're all just going to go. And yes, this fight with what's called the sorrow eater and then people get attacked by paper birds. But it's not, again, it's not, the violence is not explicit, but there is, yeah, I guess you could say there are some scary things there. It's interesting also because right away the book tells you about how these elders are in charge of the protectorate. They're basically gaslighting the people kind of to stay in power. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so that's part of it also that the explicitness of this is kind of what lends this is middle grade the way that it's very early on explained. And then also I wonder how much they're fully understanding what's going on here. We'll tell them we have to sacrifice the baby for the good of the protector. Of right. course, for our privileged lifestyle. And that's also, that's, that's pretty dark. Yeah, totally. Shoot, I was going to say something. Oh, yay! Just he said. rendered Emily speechless. <laughs> well, okay, so I'll just keep going. So that's part of it also is that because even though you have this dark storyline, but part of like the writing, like the lyricism of the writing, it kind of helps to kind of obscure that a little bit. And it's really when you start thinking about it, where you're like, wow, this is terrible. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of like mm -hmm. a Hunger Games scene. But not, yes. not exactly like it, but in the sense where they have like, oh, the children have to fight. And that's part of how they keep control. What's the government in the Hunger Games? I don't remember what they're called, but the... Um, the capital? The, oh, yeah, the capital. So that's part of how the capital keeps control of all the districts is that they keep sending the children to war and they're fighting each other. And it's deadly. I know someone where you get her started. She's actually a preschool director. So she works in a, in a school. It has older grades there as well. And mm -hmm. she was like, when Hunger Games was out, she said I was going crazy for a minute. The kids are walking around with it. I want to smack the book out of their hands. Because why are you reading about kids killing each other and fighting to kill each other? And when she says mm. it like that, especially as someone who's an educator, you're like, you're right. That is kind of yes. warped. We understand as adults what the setup is, but it is a young adult book where they're learning about children fighting each other. Really brutal. That's part of why also this is a middle grade and it is beautifully written, but it's very dark about elders and then part of it also is that the witch is like, I have no idea where this baby is here. And then she eventually comes to realize, like, I should have been asking questions about why the babies keep appearing. She does it. She's right. like, well, it's here, so I'll just take care of it. It's kind of saying that's not enough to just solve the condition. You got to take care of the symptom. Yeah, no, that's that's an interesting point. You're right that it, it is like a classic fairy tale in that there's this scary 
violent thing, but you just have to accept that premise in order to get to the story. Right. The accepted premise is there's this overly controlling council of elders that decides that this city has to sacrifice a baby each year. And it's dark and it's dealt with in that we get to see Luna's mom go crazy and be imprisoned. It's what the story is about, but it's also not what the story is about. So you just have to accept this premise, which is scary, but also, you know, I'm thinking of, let's go back to Disney movies like Snow White or something. Right. Or Hansel and Gretel. Or Hansel and Gretel, right. There's a witch that eats children. It's a scary premise, but you just sort of have to accept that scary thing as the allegory or the metaphor, I'm sure, for, you know, some bigger thing, whatever. You just have to accept that to then move on to the rest of the story. But when you do stop and think about it, maybe you don't stop and think about it when you're middle grade, like when you're reading Hunger Games, you're just like, oh, okay, this is the premise. But then you kind of look back at it as an adult. You're like, wow, that's terrible, super duper terrible yeah. and wrong and all sorts of things. Yeah. So I wonder also, would we say, because this is there, is it good for the parent to then focus on it with the child? Or is it better just kind of sweep it on, under the rug and let them get to the story? If we talk about it just in a, in a few lines and just let them read through, read through, read through. Okay, now get to the rest of the story about Luna and her moon powers and whatever. Or do we have to sit down and say, do you understand how terrible it is that they leave a baby out? Because you're going to sit on it, you're really going to put it into their imagination. You know, right. how far do you go then as, as the parent or the educator, which I guess probably would depend also on how much the child can handle. But it is now here in the story. So if a kid's got this very active imagination, you want them to read great writing, but are they going to focus on the wrong part of the story? And that's going to be kind of not good. Yeah. I guess you'd have to know your kid well enough and know what kind of questions they're asking. Because the going back to Hunger Games, because that's a really good parallel example. That's so not something that happens currently. We don't actually live in that world. We don't actually live in this world either of a city leaving a baby out. You can say there are parallels to it, whatever, fine. But we don't actually live in a city where we live, leave a baby out for a witch. So maybe it's fantastic enough that a kid can just read it and move on. But then, you know, maybe it just depends upon the kid because some are going to be more sensitive and then you do have to talk about it. Right. I mean, the ratings are, are pretty good and the writing is great. But I guess it's really, everyone's got to really think about who the reader is in this one. Right. Well, sort of like Rockabye Baby, Right? On the treetops. The, yeah. Like, there's so many nursery rhymes in Hansel and Gretel and things like that. They're just, there's this weirdly violent undertone when you stop to think about it, but we don't usually stop to think about it. We just go through the story. Ring Around the Rosie. Which Rosie's. is the same. Right. Everyone talks about Ring Around the Rosie. So same thing here. The protectorate leaves out a baby and it's awful and it's terrible, but you're just sort of accepting that fact and moving on to the rest of the story, which by the way... I really enjoyed the rest of the story. Like you said, it was well written, but she also does really good world building, I thought, in creating not just the protectorate, but this forest and then the free cities where other people live. There's sort of a religion or at least like a mythos going on with this bog and everything comes from the bog and then there's the poet and the poet is the bog and the bog is the poet. You know, it's got like an interesting spiritual tinge to it, I guess you could say. Right. Yeah, I, I was engrossed. It wasn't an elaborate world, maybe in the way that George R. R. Martin is writing a thousand pages and there's all these backstories, but it was with enough detail and enough interspersed with the story or like other folk tales within the story that you get a pretty full picture of this world and it feels pretty real. Yeah. 
It's one of the books, I mean, I don't I don't know every book that came out in 2016 or who else was up for the award, but it's one of the books that you can understand. You're like, oh, I could see why whoever nominates and whoever awards the award would have chosen a book like this. You definitely could. Because right. sometimes you're like, I don't, what are they seeing here? But there's definitely <laughs> enough that you could pinpoint. I see the combination that they liked her of why they chose this. So, yes. But I mean, that's good because that shows that it, that it reached something, you know, that it achieved something. But I don't know. The rest of it, you still got to decide if this is the right kind of story for your kid to read. Right. If it is the right kind of story for your kid to read, scariness-wise, and I think there are some interesting... Either it's just a good fantasy read, and they can read it and move on, or it does spark a little bit of conversation like you were saying. Like, Zan realizes after years and years, yes, she helped these babies, but she didn't actually stop to think, why are these babies here? So, you know, a question about responsibility and what steps you should take to help people. And she and Luna stop telling each other the truth because they're sparing each other's feelings so you could have conversations about when do you open up to your parents and how to speak honestly so that you can have a good relationship so it it has depth depth yeah it has depth if you want there to be depth and if you also want to just read it and then move on to the next thing you can also do that which i think maybe is what middle grade is for because before that you've been reading junie b jones or something like that where you're, you're still just kind of learning to read and what is story structure but now 8 9 10 11 you're really reading books on your own and making your own choices so you need a little bit more depth because you need your mind to be engaged so you start having some conversations and ideas about things so i thought it was really really good and i know we don't necessarily only talk about things on here that we really like right we're talking about things that are popular and then hopefully you know rating them content wise but this one happens to be good pearl clutching rating wise and also is just good yeah which is really nice i now want to read other things that she's written yeah she does have a couple other books out yeah so who knows we'll see yeah yeah maybe we'll come back to kelly barnhill yeah one of these days something else maybe we'll get some moonlight on the maggots and see if that does anything for them Oh, wait. No, we don't want to give the mag- maggots any magic. We should think about no, that. No, no, no. Yeah, we should rethink that. Yeah. No, let's... Uh, no more no more maggots. Yeah. Please. And thank you. Good idea. Let's buy some more bleach. That will probably be helpful. Ooh, that sounds like a really good idea. Again, I'm just feeling like really good right now, and I'm not really sure... No, you got to get your hazmat suit back on. I, that's why I'm still dressing the hazmat to filter the bleach. Seriously, it's like you never listened to me. What'd you say? Right, exactly. <laughs> well, I might not listen to you... But you guys have listened to us and we appreciate it. So thank you very much for being here and we will catch you next time. Cheers, people. Oh My Word podcast is brought to you by the Pearl Clutching Basement Dwellers at Oh My Word with theme music by Tim Burton. To keep track of all the great stuff we're up to, please follow us on Instagram at Oh My Word Podcast. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a starry, starry five-star review. For full episode notes and details, please visit el Thanks so much for joining us. Catch you next time.